And so pulmonary rehab for the students who may be listening is a broad therapeutic concept defined by the American Thoracic Society. It is a comprehensive set of interventions and it's patient-tailored. It may include exercise, education, behavioral changes. Welcome to the HAP MNR Journal Club, a podcast where we introduce you to thought leaders who are published in the American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. This is a show about practices, research, and education that are shaping the field of physiatry in inspiring ways. The Journal Club is brought to you by the Association of Academic Physiatrists, or AAP, an intimate and influential professional society that brings together leading minds at every career level. Physiatrists and professors, directors and med students, researchers and residents, this is your behind-the-scenes look at people and ideas that will influence your future. Your host is Dr. Eric Wasatsky, an AAP member with Georgetown University School of Medicine. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the AAP Journal Club podcast. My name is Eric Wasatsky, coming to you from the MedStar National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. Today, I'm joined by a wonderful co-host, one of our senior PGY4 outstanding residents, uh, Dr. Dane Thorpe. Dr. Thorpe, thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you, Dr. Wazowski. I am very happy to be here to discuss such an important and timely subject. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you as my co-host for this edition. And today we are going to be interviewing our uh, special guest, uh, is an author of a very recent publication in the American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation entitled PM&R and Pulmonary Rehabilitation for COVID-19. The article's author we'll be interviewing today is Dr. Tina Wang. Dr. Wang is an assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Loma Linda University, as well as an attending physician at the Loma Melinda VA Department of PM&R, and Dr. Wang also has a private practice as well, so certainly has many, many hats, and uh, Dr. Wang, we're honored to have you today on the podcast to discuss your very timely article, so thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. My colleagues and I are really excited for this opportunity. Thank you. Wonderful. No, we're excited for this discussion. Today's date is July 15th. 2020. So, you know, for some states, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is looking a little better. For many states right now on July 15, 2020, not so much. Uh, so this is clearly still a very, very timely topic uh, for us to be discussing this issue. And we're really interested to hear what you have to say regarding this very specific area of pulmonary rehabilitation and COVID-19. We were wondering if we could start off by you just giving kind of a brief summary of uh, your work here in this article. Yes, absolutely. Uh, One of the benefits of having a podcast is that we're able to give the story, the background behind an article that may seem dry and makes it much interesting to read. And this article starts in March when the pandemic was first accelerating in the U.S. My colleagues and I um, in the PM&R department were asked to work search capacity on the COVID floor alongside our medicine colleagues. And so in anticipation, we got together as a group and we asked the question, what can we do to best contribute to the crisis? And not just as physicians, but also with our unique 
perspective as physiatrists. So we started to scour the literature to put together a white paper to really guide us um, in anticipation. And we looked specifically at pulmonary rehabilitation. Um, and so pulmonary rehab for the students who may be listening is a broad therapeutic concept and defined by the American Thoracic Society. It is a comprehensive set of interventions and it's patient tailored. It may include exercise, education, behavioral changes. And uh, really the cornerstone of pulmonary rehab is exercise and movement. So we took a look at a uh, summation of this evidence and we took what may apply to our modern day COVID patients, um, specifically in the acute outpatient setting. Some of the recommendations are hygiene, huff coughing, um, expectorant management, education about the course of the disease, breathing exercises, physical movement, stretching. And then in the inpatient setting with the acute management, really we made many recommendations, but one of the most pressing and poignant one is positioning. And many of our colleagues, our medicine colleagues, are anecdotally using prone positioning, even in the awake and conscious patient. And what the literature shows is that sitting and standing are really the preferred positions to optimize ventilation and perfusion. So while we do want to use proning and targeted positioning, like sidelining as well, um, we want to switch these positions often every two minutes based on the cystic fibrosis data. Thank you for that synopsis of uh, your paper. It's uh, very interesting. So as Dr. Wazowski mentioned, we know that there's a large regional variability among institutions in their COVID experience. So I was just wondering if you could speak to uh, your institution's experience with COVID care. Yeah, absolutely. And um, previously mentioned that there is an ongoing increase in cases. And definitely where I'm located in Southern California, there has been a large rise over the last month uh, with a doubling of new cases in about a month's time. Um, now, prior to this, starting in February, uh, the VA has a robust and um, well-functioning disaster management plan, and we've been planning since then. So th this has not caught us off guard. Uh, we've been watching our counterparts on the East Coast, you guys, um, dealing with this early on. And so during this time, we were really able to institute and plan for a solid implementation of our COVID rehabilitation tools in anticipation of um, this surge that's occurring. So we are in surge implementation, um, and disaster planning has now gone into implementation. Uh, university is now having overflow as a tertiary catchment hospital. Um, now, because of the steady rise over time and the leadership, our firm foundation was established, and it's largely been a team-based effort in our department. So I've been driving the academic and evidence-based portion. Um, Dr. Chow, he's our virtual reality and technology specialist. 
He's been implementing all the technical aspects of getting these tools out to patients through technology. And Dr. Chu, our inpatient director, has been doing the nuts and bolts of everyday implementation. And then lastly, we are chief of staff, Dr. Lee and Dr. Humbert. They've been driving the policies, the procedures, the institutional coordination across departments. Um, so it's really been a large departmental effort to roll out uh, these tools and make them available to our patients. Thank you for that uh, really detailed description. It's really interesting to hear about how each institution is seeing different things and managing in different ways. And clearly, uh, your VA system is uh, uh, seems to be on the cutting edge with uh, organization and management. So I certainly applaud the work that you all are doing. Along those lines, you know, this is a PM&R podcast, so, you know, many really want to know, you know, what is the role of the physiatrist in COVID care, perhaps as it pertains to pulmonary rehabilitation or other areas of rehabilitation that may be beneficial for a patient either with COVID or post-COVID? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Research in um, pulmonary rehab has shown that it reduces length of stay in the hospital, particularly uh, with research in non-COVID respiratory conditions like pneumonia. Um, A 2016 Cochrane Review uh, showed a moderate to large effect on changes in quality of life improvement, exercise capacity, and reducing that length of stay. Um, But first and foremost, we are physicians and we are medical doctors. We've been called to serve our community. Uh, Early on as a student, one of my uh, mentors, uh, he's a PhD, Professor Jeff Russell at Ohio State University, he taught me as a young student that when people need your help, you help them. And I've carried that with me ever since. And we've been called to serve alongside our medicine colleagues, even in the acute management of COVID-19. Um, a lot of our local hospitals, the PM&R department has been asked to work in patient medical management, even non-COVID cases. So we've been called to serve. And really the question is not so much as are we involved, but we are involved and we must contribute with our expertise. Absolutely. I agree with that, and thank you for that. Um, in your paper, you describe provider safety as being a major concern. I think all of us working in the hospital um, have that same concern uh, for ourselves and our colleagues. Um, but besides provider safety, are there other barriers that you can uh, maybe speak about or think of, barriers to implementing early rehabilitation in these COVID patients? Yeah, one of the big concerns and topics that has come up repeatedly is payment and reimbursement. Um, In our hospital, we're fortunate to be a single-payer system, so this issue is not as pressing as for many of our colleagues in the community. Nonetheless, uh, resources, the limited resources, workload, uh, reimbursement are all conversations that we have as a department and must continue to have as a group and profession. Um, And in response to this limited resources, we created outpatient handouts and web-based educational materials to offload this work as we are asked to work even the um, acute medicine floor just to aid our colleagues. And the other issue that arises quite a bit in PM&R is the interdisciplinary awareness of PM&R 
and what we have um, to offer our colleagues. And uh, Dr. Chu and Dr. Humbert in our hospital have been working actively across departments and in the hospital system to make them aware of these resources. The teamwork that has happened in our department is really a testament to the true team-based nature of PM&R, with all of us drawing on our strengths to educate our colleagues. Absolutely. It's always a struggle to get our colleagues to know what we do and to know when to involve us in inpatient care. But specifically, um, in your paper, you describe a number of interventions which were uh, helpful, um, including posture, which you spoke on earlier, stretching, yoga, tai chi, um, even singing. And so of these interventions that you proposed in the paper, are there specific ones that you found to be of greatest benefit to the patients? Yeah, the cornerstone of pulmonary rehabilitation is movement. And so the statement exercise with medicine is very, very appropriate in uh, relation to pulmonary rehab. And in my patients, um, in my private practice and in the hospital, we can, we see that this strongly aids in recovery. That being said, really the greatest benefit uh, to our patients will be a tailored program that empowers them. So if our patient is a singer, we want to get them singing. If our patient is a yogi, we want to get them back into their yoga routine. And if they're a runner, we want them walking and moving again and working towards that running. Uh, That being said, we do have to, because of the broad media attention uh, regarding the aerosolization of the virus, we do have to emphasize that these activities should be done in isolation and with proper precautions in place. Thank you for that, and I think that uh, your statement there is really at the heart of physical medicine and rehab is kind of meeting our patients where they are, finding the things that they love to do, helping them uh, get back to doing them, and uh, also showing that uh, the things they love to do can also help with their recovery. So uh, that was beautifully said. I certainly appreciated that. I'd like to talk a little bit about telehealth now. Uh, You mentioned earlier, it sounds like you have someone you work with who's specifically assigned to virtual reality and technology, and it sounds like you've been using that interface. And I know specifically the VA system was really utilizing telehealth way before it became cool suddenly for uh, all of us to be using it now. So I imagine you have quite a bit of experience with it. Uh, I did find it interesting, the discussion in your article about the utilization of telehealth for pulmonary rehab, uh, and I was wondering if you could talk about its use with pulmonary rehab or any other aspects of COVID care where you found it uh, beneficial. Uh, Yes, repeated studies have shown that pulmonary rehab, um, when done through telehealth, is just as effective as an in-person rehabilitation regimen. Um, The latest society, they're in guidelines, and the latest one is the Asian Pacific Society of Respirology. They've written it into their guidelines to make telehealth available. The reality is that telehealth is here to stay, for better or worse. And absolutely, the VA um, early on implemented our video conferencing before even COVID. And telehealth really is an art. Uh, It's a skill set. And even though the skill set is different from in-person visits, the, the concept is the same. We develop these skills with experience. So for my students, I often tell them that uh, in the beginning, the young residents, physical examination, history taking are like trying to learn music theory and notes. 
And for the more advanced residents, it's a skill that's akin to playing more advanced musical compositions and maybe in an orchestra and cooperation. For the seasoned practitioners, uh, telehealth is like playing jazz. We're looking for similar elements, but now we can more skillfully employ analysis of global movement. So, for instance, if a young resident or learner is looking for the patient to reproduce a NEARS exam, a skilled practitioner may be looking for global movements that mimic NEARS exam to get a objective feel for what this patient's rehabilitation needs are. And then similarly, in pulmonary rehab, we have tools like the modified board scale and the speech dyspnea score that can give us a feel for what this patient's needs are at that moment. So telehealth is really a skill that must be developed like any in-person visit over time with experience. And in the coming years, this will be a necessary skill set for all of us to continue to develop. I love that. And I love the analogy of comparing those skills to uh, musical skills. It gives me a new rating scale uh, for our residents here to tell them if they are uh, an amateur versus a virtuoso. So uh, I appreciate that. And it's great to hear that. And Speaking from my own experience, I very much agree. You know, I have been a, a newbie to uh, telehealth, and I agree that there's definitely a learning curve, and uh, I definitely have gotten better at it as time goes by and still have a lot to learn. One more question I wanted to ask you that uh, I didn't necessarily prep you for the podcast, but, you know, I think one thing that's really on a lot of people's mind is, is just kind of the burnout associated with uh, well, first of all, healthcare to begin with, even pre-COVID, but I think some of the, the workload, anxiety, and stress around COVID care has maybe brought another layer to the challenges of working in healthcare. Uh, and I was just wondering if you would impart any words of wisdom for us, anything that you found helpful uh, to deal with the stresses of uh, COVID care or you know, you, uh, your coworkers, anything you're hearing out there that people are using to help with their physician well-being uh, during these challenging times. What a great question. Um, one of the things that um, I found very, very beneficial is my yoga studies. And I study a very traditional form of yoga called Vini Yoga. Um, and it's more of a therapeutic approach that employs quite a bit of meditation. So the movement guides the mind and focuses the mind. And my local VA has asked me uh, right now for the last couple of months to uh, lead these yoga sessions at lunch to help the staff cope as well with, um, with well-being. Um, and one of the interesting things about meditation and yoga practices is that uh, we, we think that it may bring calm and it might bring peace and clarity, but really what it does is brings clarity to the present moment. And in the present moment, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of fear, a lot of grieving for life, how it used to be, maybe anger at the unfairness of things that we may be seeing, uh, behaviors out there. And these are not emotions to run away from. They're emotions to express and to face head on, to understand why we feel this way. And once we have that clarity and understanding, then we're able to really address these issues at the, at the root of the why. 
Why do I feel anger? Why do I feel uh, fear? Why do I feel sadness? And I think that is very poignant to physician burnout in general, that we as physicians over years of overachieving and uh, wanting to make it, there's always another milestone, we smother these emotions. We shove them down into some horrible corner and uh, one day they burst out in one form or another. And um, really the question is, the whys and where are these things coming from? And until we get to that point as an individual um, and help each other develop these skills through relationships, um, I think burnout will continue to really haunt us as a profession. Thank you for sharing that information. That is really, really helpful to hear. Dr. Thorpe, was there something you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say very well said. And as someone who has just begun uh, yoga, so I guess I'm a novice yogi um, during quarantine and and all this COVID stuff and and trying to practice meditation. Um, Definitely, uh, it's been helpful for me, you know, in in, in dealing with all this and uh, the introspection. So thank you for that answer. Yeah, I think many of our listeners uh, will be really appreciative to hear that. And uh, Dr. Wang, it certainly sounds like you are a role model, not just in clinical care and academics, but also... uh, physician self-care. So thank you for sharing that with us. And as we wrap up, uh, any last words, anything else you wanted to add about your study that we didn't discuss today, Dr. Wang? Just thank you for having me on and allowing me to represent and speak for my department. We truly appreciate this opportunity and we truly appreciate your podcasts and what you're doing to help educate uh, the rest of us. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And our podcast is uh, all the better for having uh, you on and representing your team. So thanks, uh, Dr. Thorpe, for uh, joining me as my co-host today. It was great having you. And thanks so much to Dr. Wang uh, for being our special guest today. For the listeners, please uh, log in or open up your American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehab and look for this article, PM&R and Pulmonary Rehabilitation for COVID-19, to see more details on this work. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us next time. Thank you so much.